0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled Choose to Lose. Because of God's great work in our lives, we now have the power to make great choices. We don't need big faith to accomplish huge goals. We just need a little faith in a big God. Are you ready to trust him for the unbelievable? What will you choose to lose? Here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast.
1: You guys doing good? Hey, before I even kind of get into the official welcome, I just want you to look around, look around. Stop looking at me. You are looking at the faithful ones. I mean, these are the ones that are not going to be kept away from the house of God. Amen? Amen? And I believe, by the way, I believe that when you live like that, God has a way of blessing you. So if you came to church today, I believe God has a blessing waiting on you. Welcome to the house of God. We are so glad you are here. Welcome to all of the campuses. We love you guys. New Hope Church is rocking and rolling at every campus today. Um, And we're just thankful that we can be here. Hey, I wanted to read something to you. You know, I love my emails when they come. And uh, this one is not from a New Hoper. But as I was experiencing this dreary week that we've had and thinking about needy people, I was reminded of what you did at Christmas. you guys remember the food drive that we had? Remember that? Well, we, we gave a lot. And sometimes I think we have a tendency to forget what God is doing through us. And uh, I got this email. In fact, my, my wife got this email because she oversees missions and the campuses. So it says, this is from the food bank. This is from the Food Pantry. Dear Amy Lynn, there are simply no words to describe what the donation from New Hope Church has meant to our operations and those needy neighbors we serve. And then she puts all bold, like 36 font, 2,773.1 pounds of food. She says... That is the single largest food donation we have ever received. I personally rolled up my sleeves and helped a volunteer and two of our shelter clients weigh it, open the bags, sort it, stock the pantry shelves, and put the extra in boxes, clearly labeled soup and green vegetables. We had such a blessed Christmas and New Year with the donations coming in from New Hope. Listen to this. At times I thought we'd have enough food for the hungry families. At times I thought we would not have enough food for the hungry families to last until the spring. But that changed when we received your donations. Several of the non-perishable staples we offer were getting very low. Without New Hope Church, we would have been out by the end of this week or some next week. Our food pantry is open Monday through Thursday in the mornings. We serve up to 26 families a day. And many times we have to turn up to 10 or more families away. Hungry people showing up not getting food. But that has changed with your church. If we are ever blessed enough to receive from you again, please, I love this, it's kind of funny. Please give me a heads up. (laughs) So that I may have enough help. And it would help us in planning on this end so that we can weigh, sort, stock, and store all the food. Yesterday and for many days to come, we will be thanking God for New Hope Church. Sincerely, Jen Jackson, Director of Community Engagement Food Shelter of North Carolina. Way to go, church. Way to go. And again, as most of us are in our homes and our warmth and our you know, food and all that, it's nice to know that people who would not have eaten otherwise are eating food this cold winter because of you. I'm so proud of you, New Hope. Hey, um, now, now, I get the unbelievable privilege to introduce to you our speaker today, and by the way, he's not really a stranger to any of you, so he doesn't really need an introduction, Pastor Chad Lunsford, who used to be our discipleship and connections pastor. If you're new around here, you might not have ever met him, but let me tell you about this guy. We hired him when he was attending Duke Divinity School, brought him on kind of part time, and he grew into full time and, and had an incredible ministry here. He was our discipleship and connections pastor. He's taught from this stage many time and many times. And in uh, August and September of last year, we released Pastor Chad to go to a place called Brandon, Mississippi. Any Mississippi people in the house? You have one person here who is in solidarity with you. Yeah. But we're all in solidarity with you because of your ministry here. But we released him to go to Brandon, Mississippi. Uh, He's taken a great leadership position as a campus pastor at a multi-site church, a great church in that area. So we released him in, like I said, August or September. I am sure he is doing great, great ministry. We celebrated that. But he and I started scheduling pretty quickly after that a date on the calendar to get him back. So we are blessed today. And I want you to do what you do. Grab your teaching notes, grab your pen, and do what you do and welcome the man of God in the house of God to preach the word of God. Hello, church. Give it up.
0: Welcome back, brother. It is so good to be here. It is so good to be here. The hard part for me is uh, standing up here and speaking because I would love to come down and hug and grab coffee and connect and catch up for a while. But uh, I'm here to teach on focus, so I guess I should stay focused on the task. But I tell you, uh, before I do that, it is so good to be here. It really just feels like uh, coming home. There's so many familiar faces. And uh, my wife and I, we just we love, we love the new Hope House. And uh, I said this when I was here, and I still say it. This is just such a unique family of God. And uh, God uh, did so much in us uh, while we were here, and we just we couldn't be more appreciative. We, uh, we love Pastor Benji and, uh, and Amy Lynn, the staff, and, and all of you all, all at all the campuses as well. So thank you guys for uh, uh, still uh, making us feel at home and feel like we're a part of the family. So you right back, thank you, thank you, thank you. So uh, to help me focus, maybe help all of us focus a little bit, let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for today. Lord, as we open up your word, Lord, as we continue in this series, Lord, as you speak to us, Lord, we want to know you more. We want to hear from you today. God, do your work in us, God, so you can do your work through us. This is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So. Uh, we're going to be talking on focus, and uh, whenever I think of, of focus, of learning how to focus better, there's always a story that, that comes up to me. There was a story I heard years ago uh, from a, a man who was a, a driving instructor. Uh, he wasn't just any driving instructor. He was a really specialized instructor. He taught stunt drivers. I didn't know that was a job, but evidently, evidently it is. Probably not a bad, a bad gig. And uh, he was uh, he was sharing about one particular test that he would put his students through. They would go through a series of training, and then the day would come where they would take uh, this uh, driving test. And they didn't know what the test would be, only that there would be obstacles, uh, surprise obstacles along the way. That's probably a good good thing to, to put uh, sun drivers through. And so what he would say is that overwhelmingly that the students who would take the test the first time, overwhelmingly they would fail. Because here's what they would do. They would be driving along this test track. And as they were driving along, um, an obstacle, a, a dummy, he, as he would tell the story, would be thrown onto the, the racetrack. And they, they didn't see it coming. And then fear would well up in them. As it would surprise them, they, fear would well up in them. And then they would look at the dummy. And then they would drive directly towards it and hit the dummy and crash. Overwhelmingly, they would do this time and time and time again. And what he, what he told was that uh, they, they didn't have a focus that would keep them on track, right? So their focus was easily shiftable. So whenever something would be thrown onto the course, they would look at it, fear would well up, and they would, they would drive towards it. But the ones who would pass, they had a focus that was somewhere down the track, and they would remain focused on it throughout, throughout their, um, throughout their test. And when the dummies would come, they would just sort of go around it and keep on going. And I thought, man, what a, what a great metaphor for all of us, right? Do you feel like in life that you're just sort of, Reacting to every sort of thing that gets thrown your way and you crash into it, or do you have a focus that's bigger than anything else in your life and it keeps you going down the track? Are there things that are, other there fears that are popping up that are that are taking your attention during the day, or are you staying focused on what God has for you? The other day I was uh, talking with a professor of sports psychology. It's kind of a growing field, and he's a professor of sports psychology at Bellhaven University in Jackson, Mississippi, and we were grabbing lunch in downtown Jackson the other day, and as we were talking, we began to talk about focus. I think I mentioned I was going to be preaching here on focus, and he started sharing with me what he teaches uh, some of his baseball players, the, the pitchers especially. You know, there's so many things that as they're standing on the mound that can distract them. Right? There's a lot of things that distract all of us, but he says there's a lot of things that can distract the pitcher, but the only thing they have to do is take the ball that's in their hand and get it into the catcher's mitt. You know, they, they can focus on so many things, but that's all they really have to do. So he teaches them to drown out the crowd, right? the, the people that are for them, the people that are against them, to drown out the dugouts to even drown out the, the hitter that's staying there before them. They can start thinking about batting averages and tendencies and what did this guy do last time and what's this guy going to do this time. And there's so many things that can distract him. He says, all you need to do is focus on the mitt. You've got to learn to drown out everything else and just focus on the mitt. That's what, he, that's what he teaches his players. And again, I think it's a great metaphor for us. There's so many things that can come into focus for us and distract us. What's the one thing, what's the one focus that we have that can dictate all the others? As you live your life, do you have one focus that is fixed, or do you find that you hear a lot of noise? Is your attention often uh, going to whatever happens to pop up that day? A good way to, to question yourself about this is, what did you think about this morning when you got up? What was the first thing that you thought of when you got up today? Was it something new, you never thought of it before, or was it the same thing as yesterday and the day before and the day before, right? There's, there's kind of some good and some bad from that. You know, things can change during the day, but you can have one focus that remains. Or you can have one focus that allows you to just kind of get stuck in a rut as well. So for you, what's your focus? The days can change, but our focus can remain the same. If I'm not careful, my first thoughts can, can be about all that I need to get done during the day, and I begin to worry about getting it all done. Will I get it done well? Will I have enough time to get it done? These thoughts sound familiar, right? This is what we all, what we all go through. And we can go in the direction of our focus we can often wonder how did we end up somewhere, but the truth is wherever we end up, we either got there on purpose or we allowed our lives to focus us in that direction. You know, despite the magnitude of our brains, our brains are pretty spectacular, they can do a lot of things, they can only ever think of one thought at one time. A lot of us like to think that we're really good multitaskers, right? Uh, me, me especially, I like to think I'm a good multitasker, but science has actually shown that you can only ever have one thought at one time. Now, our brains have a, a capacity to store a thought. You can be thinking about something and you can shift and your brain can store it so you can quickly come back to it. But when you force your brain to do that, you actually take down your brain power by 50%. <laughs> so it's kind of a scary thing, right? I know There's a lot of times I'm sitting in my you know, computer and as the inbox is coming and as meetings are coming, there's a lot of things that I can get focused on instead of having one thing that I remain fixed on. Our brains are amazing, but they can only have one thought at one time. Have you ever taken stock of the things you think about on a daily basis? How many times have you been distracted today? If you're being honest, how many times have you been distracted during the worship service, right? We, we are easily distracted. What I've also learned is that many of our distractions are either initiated by or they're intensified by fear. A lot of our distractions, especially those that will really get us off course, they, they stem from some sort of fear that we have in our lives, maybe something that's really easy to, to see, or it might be something we might have to track back. There's a fear that's just sort of looming around. Something happens, and it triggers an emotional response, and it takes all of our focus away. What I want to do today is look at Psalm 27. In Psalm 27, David, is he's uh, he's he's in the middle of some things that could actually cause great fear, and he teaches us what to do with that fear and how to focus in the middle of it. As David is uh, teaching us about focus in the face of fears, David is very aware that there's enemies that are actually surrounding him. It's not something he's paranoid about. He can actually see that there's enemies around him. Verse 12, we're going to come back to it later, but verse 12 of Psalm 27 says this, Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. He's speaking about the enemies that are right there. For false witnesses have risen against me, and as such breathe out violence. There was a very real and physical threat That awaits david two times in the in this psalm. He mentions the word fear and even uses the words despair and dread Right there's real fear that's going on in his life and he begins to list the fears early in the psalm We'll come back to these verses as well But he begins to list these fears I want you to as you're reading this to think about what things are you afraid of? What are the fears that often control you on a daily basis or throughout seasons of life? Psalm 27 verse 1 David says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, he's speaking them out, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. In spite of this, I shall be confident. So what do you fear? If you were to write down a list of things that you are afraid of, what do you fear. Maybe for you, you fear finances, right? There's there's a financial struggle that's going on in your life. Maybe it's a financial struggle in your business. There's a lot of fear that's revolving around money. Maybe for you, it's a boss, right? When you think about your boss, fear just sort of wells up inside, or maybe there's a coworker or a situation at work. When you think about it, there's just a lot of fear that wells up. Maybe for you, it's at work, or maybe for you, there's a, there's a health concern, right as you're working throughout this throughout this series there might be a a weight concern or maybe there's a health issue or you're you're hoping you're going to get the care that you need for you there's a lot of fear revolving around health maybe for you it's a it's a relational concern there's a there's a strain with a friend or you're worrying about being alone maybe for you your fear is you're seeking a lot of things you're seeking approval from others Seeking affection or appreciation, acceptance or attention from others. Maybe you're hoping you're going to get this from parents. You're you're hoping you're going to get it from some friends. There's just some people around you. There's a lot of fears going on for you. Just recently, I was at a a prayer retreat uh, last weekend. And as I was uh, praying and was really just focused on a a moment of worship, and I was just singing to God and sharing with him all that, that was coming to mind about him, as I was focused on him, he spoke back to me. And that's usually how it happens, as I'm focused on God. He will speak back to me and here's what I heard god say to me. He just simply said chad you have too many fears in your life And you only need one You have so many fears in your life But you only need one in fact if you would just focus on me having a holy reverence a holy fear of me You could actually get rid of all the other fears if you would just focus on me Proverbs 14, verses 26 and 27 actually speak about the fear of the Lord. They say that fear of the Lord can bring strong confidence and that fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Now, fear is the exact opposite, right? When we're afraid of things, we lose confidence and we're drained of life. But Solomon says here that if we have a fear of the Lord, it brings strong confidence and it becomes a fountain of life inside of us you see here's what's interesting david he speaks about his fears he shares what they are he's sharing them with god but he doesn't focus on his fears he focuses on something very different he's a great teacher for all of us in verse four here's what david is focused on he says "This one thing i've asked from the lord that i shall seek that i may dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the lord and to meditate in his temple i love this verse one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. You see, in the midst of fear, David focuses on one thing, dwelling in God's house. Now, he's not really fixed on God's house necessarily. If you can kind of think chronologically, this, is, this isn't a glorious, uh, splendid temple that's been built. At this point in Israel's history, it's just a tent. Right? He's not speaking of some you know, magnificent building he's speaking about God. I want to dwell with God. I want to behold his beauty. And in fact, if we back up just a little bit in Psalm 26, verse eight, David gets very specific about what it is that he's seeking. Psalm 26, eight, it says this, "O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. He's seeking God's glory. I want to look at focusing on god's glory in all of our lives but i i think i need to define glory for us you know as someone who didn't grow up in the church i always feel like when i'm when i'm in church settings i feel like someone who showed up to class late <laughs> and i'm always trying to catch up there's 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 words or phrases that i think everyone else knows and i'm just the only one who, who doesn't know but i've all, i've learned over the years or church people don't get them either so so we'll, we'll, we'll back up with god's glory God's glory in Hebrew is simply kavod. It means glory or splendor, honor or abundance, but it's a literal translation. And here's what's helped me understand what God's glory is all about. It's a heaviness or a weight. It's a literal translation is a heaviness or a weight. See, it's not the building that David wants. It's God's glory or God's weight that he's after. In the midst of threats, David focused on God's glory and not on his fears. It's important for all of us to see exactly what's happening here. In the midst of threats, David focused on God's glory and not on his fears. You see, what David understood is this. When God's glory is your focus, your fears become displaced. When God's glory is your focus, your fears become displaced. You see, God's glory removes fear from having a seat on the throne over your life. Just as your brain can only have one thought, our souls can only have one master. It's going to be fixated on one thing or another. So here's what I want to focus on. What is it about God's glory that can displace our fears? It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to look at. It. And David will actually show us, here's what God's glory does. If you focus on God and his glory, his way in your life, here's how it will displace your fears. So let's, go, let's back up for just a moment and look at verses 1 through 3. Psalm 27 Verses 1 through 3, what David's going to discover is this. In God's glory, we become more aware of who he is. In God's glory, we become more aware of who he is. Verse 1, it says this The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. See, David has huge confidence. Why? Because of God's glory. He has huge confidence because of God's glory. In other words, next to God's glory, next to God's weight, even the armies that are encamped against him seem small. Right? Remember that glory means weight. And so it's, David is giving weight to God instead of to the things that cause him fear. He's giving weight to God instead of giving weight to the enemies. It's almost as if you can see there's, there's, there's scales going on inside David's soul. Right? And there's these fears that could weigh him down. Right? And they could tilt the scales. And instead, he gives weight to God. It says, next to God, these things, as big as they may seem to me, they are so small to God what we discover is that David's actually following in the footsteps of great heroes of the faith. Moses and Abraham do this very thing. If you can think back to Exodus in chapter 32, Moses is up on a mountain. He's talking to God, and God's given uh, the the nation of Israel the the rules, the laws that they're going to live by. And while Moses is up at the top of the mountain, the people are down at the bottom of the mountain. They grow impatient. You ever grow impatient when you're waiting on God? (laughs) Right? We won't have confession right now, right? But... So as Moses is up at the top of the mountain, they're down at the bottom of the mountain. And it says they grow impatient and they actually make an idol and they begin to worship this idol. The very thing that God's at the top of the mountain tell Moses that they should never do, they're down at the bottom of the mountain doing. And so God rightfully becomes angry with the people and, and he begins to, to share with Moses what he's going to do. And one of the things he says is when you guys go into the promised land, you're still going to win. I'm going to go ahead of you, but because of your sinfulness, I'm not going to be with you. And this freaks Moses out, and he begins to pray, and he's, he's praying, he's praying, he says, no, if we're going into the land that you promised to us, you're going with us. And eventually God relents, and he says, yes, I will go with you. But as in the course of this conversation, God shares with Moses all of the nations that they're going to conquer. He, you're going you're to conquer this nation, and you're going to conquer. It's this victory chant that God's sharing with Moses. God is sharing it as you're going to triumph over them. But here's what Moses hears. Oh, yeah, we're going to have to fight them. And, and, oh, yeah, we're going to have to fight them. And we're going to have to fight them as well. And there, there's all these things that Moses begins to have fear over. And so he continues to press into God. You've likely, if you've been in church before, you've likely heard this prayer one time or another. Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. As Moses is leaning into God, he says this. I pray you, show me your glory. In other words, show me your weight. God, Is we're going to go in and we're going to hit this nation and this nation, we're going to go up against their their, their, their mighty walls. And we're going to go up against their mighty weapons. God, show me your glory. Show me your weight so that when we come up against them, I'll remember seeing your glory and I won't be afraid. Right. In other words, Moses is saying, I can be afraid of the people that God made. I can be afraid of the the. the the stones that God made that they've used to to build their walls. I can be afraid of the the materials that God made that they used to make weapons, or I can be afraid of the God. I can fear God who's above all of it. I'm going to give weight. I'm going to give glory to God because next to God, even the armies, the things that we're getting ready to face, those are going to seem small. He says, God, show me your glory so that when we get into that land, I won't forget, I'll remember that you're with us. Paul, whenever he's speaking of Abraham, uh, later on in Romans chapter four, we we notice that the the exact same thing is taking place. Romans chapter four. It's a fantastic part of scripture. Romans chapter four, verse eighteen. It says this: "In hope against hope," isn't that a great, great line? "In hope against hope." It didn't make sense. He believed, speaking of Abraham so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. This was God's promise. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Now catch this, verse 19. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. Right? Without becoming weak in his faith, he contemplated his own state. God told me I'm going to become a father of many nations. He said this, but what I see is an old man. Right? He he goes on. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead. He was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, I think there's something subtle for guys to notice there. He doesn't call his wife old. He's just saying her, her womb is old. So I don't, I think it's subtle, but I'd hang on to it. I don't know. Verse 20. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. In the midst of everything, right, in the midst of all the facts that are going on, he doesn't waver in unbelief. Belief. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving what? Glory to God. Despite the facts that he saw that he was too old to become a father of many nations, he believed he didn't waver in his faith. Instead, he gave weight to what God had said. Verse 21, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. He gives weight to God. He could say, well, there's there's what I see and there's what God said. I can give weight to what I see and that I'm afraid that I'm too old for God's promise to come true. Or I can give weight to what God said. And even though I'm waiting on the promise, I can give weight to what God had said. In God's glory, we become more aware of who he is, more aware of of who he is and whenever we see god for who he really is in all of his glory and his splendor and his weight whatever we're fearing seems small number two in god's glory we become more aware of his plans in god's glory we become more aware of his plans here's what it says at the end of the psalm do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and such as breathe out violence I would have despaired. I mean, David's telling us this is real, right? We've all had these moments where we, we, we sense despair about to well up in us. David says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. So often I'm convinced that we've convinced ourselves that as followers of Christ. Right, the, When we're with God, when we follow God, the enemies won't encamp against us. I'm following God. Why would things that are uh, troubling, why would things that are fearful ever happen to me? And yet David never questions this. He never asks God, why is this happening? He's just simply saying, I know you're with me. I, I know you're with me in the middle of it. I would have despaired, but I remembered God's goodness. I remembered God's glory, his weight. Right? What's he doing? He's saying, though an army encamp against me, I know God is with me. When, when we're in that waiting period, we can feel like God has left us. He says, I see them, and yet I remember that God is with me. I can see what's coming up against me. I can see the facts that are against me. Or maybe for a lot of us, we can say, I can see the failures that I've created in my life. And I know, I know what's up against me, but I know God is with me. God was with them, and yet there's still an army against them, right? So often we can feel like, well, I'm following God. I'm never going to encounter hardships. We know that's not true. And yet God never leaves us. A problem may persist, and it might even surprise us, but that doesn't mean God has left us. God is always with us. It goes on to say this, wait for the Lord, be strong, have courage. And then he says one more time, wait, wait. Why, why do we have to wait if God is bigger than anything else? If God is bigger than any fear we have in our life, why do we have to wait on God to move that problem out of our lives? You ever ask that question? <laughs> he has a plan. And he's working out his plan and his time and his way in his season. And there's things that he has to do inside of us that he can't do any other way. And there's things that God wants to do around us as well, And he's using this time and this season to develop us and develop others or situations around us. God is working out a plan. And when we're focused on his glory, we become focused on his plan and not on the things that are surrounding us. You see how it displaces the fear? All of a sudden we stop focusing on that which is bringing us down and we start focusing on the God who's bigger than all of it. God, I know you're working out a plan. I know you're working out something in in your time. I even see how you're developing me in this process. God, I'm getting so much better. I'm getting so much closer to you. And I'm not focusing on the plan. I stop, or I'm not focusing on the fear. I stop focusing on the fear and I start saying to God, How can you use me in this season? How can you develop me in this time? And all of a sudden, our, our, our focus begins to change. And you see what happens when we give weight to God it begins to change our thinking. It begins to change what's happening inside of our souls. It can also begin to change what's happening inside of, inside of others. They can see the us giving weight. And they can say, I, they're at least going through it as bad as I am. And they might even be going through it worse. And yet they're giving glory. They're giving weight to God. And then you get encouraged in the process. Right. Can you imagine if there was a movement of people that were saying, I'm giving weight to God, I'm giving glory to God. I don't understand this. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I'm focusing squarely on God. I'm trusting in his plan and his purpose and his timing." If there was a movement of people, it begins to spread. Right. You know, a businessman might be doing something God's way and then others can look around and see that God's blessing it. And then they begin to do it that way as well. Right. A mom can persist in doing what God has said to do, and then it can begin to encourage other moms in the process. Men could rise up and say, I'm going to become the man of God that God called me to be. And then it encourages other men to do the same. It can be as simple as staying on track with a goal. Right? There's been a lot of goals that many of you have been setting throughout this series. and You might be staying on track with the goal, and as you're staying on track with the goal, it encourages somebody else to stay on track, and it begins to spread. We're all on track together, and God's glory in our lives be- begins to be our focus, and fears begin to cast out in all of us together. It's something beautiful that happens when we come together as a body of Christ. God's plan begins to unfold in us and through us and around us. We focus on God's glory and not the things that want to take our attention away in god's glory we become more aware of his plans and then thirdly it's this we become more aware of how he feels about us in god's glory we become more aware of how he feels about us and sometimes i need to be reminded of that i need to be reminded of how god feels about me and towards me psalm 27 verse 5 it says this for in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. What's he speaking of? He's saying God will move me into the tabernacle. When I focus on his glory, he's saying this one thing I'm going to seek, dwelling in God, focusing on his glory. And when I do that, in the time of trouble, God will move me into his tabernacle, into his temple, into into the tent. But not only that, he'll, he'll push me into the inner place, into the secret place, which is where God's presence or God's glory dwells. He's saying when I'm in trouble, if I just focus on God, he'll bring his glory to surround me. He'll bring the weight of himself He will lift me up on a rock, and now my head will be lifted above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Verse 10, he says, for my my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. No matter who deserts me, God will never leave me. In the day of trouble, he'll conceal me. He'll hide me away in his innermost part. Lifts us up above trouble onto a solid footing. Though close people leave us, God will not. Sometimes I just need to be reminded that God is for me. Amen. Not only that, but God thinks about me. <laughs> Isn't that a great thought? God's eyes never leave me. Whenever I'm f- trying to remind myself of how God feels about me, I remember uh, a story that actually happened to me whenever I was very little. surprised somewhere around the age of four. There was this moment that happened. I probably only the kind of moment that happens to a pastor who gets to share it later, <laughs> but it happened just as I'm about to share this story. I was probably around four years old and was walking through the mall. It was uh, nearing Christmas time, and there was a uh, there was a toy store in the mall called KB Toys. I don't know if anyone's ever been to a KB toy store. I don't know if they even exist anymore, but there was sure enough, there was one back in the day. And it was just this beautiful, majestic toy store. I mean, you'd walk in, there'd be all these noises and sounds and lights. There'd be things moving around on the ceiling. It was this great place. And as we're walking through the mall, I'm I'm, I'm thinking about KB toys, KB toys. It's like all that's on my mind as we're walking through the mall, walking with my parents and my family. And we get to one of those spots in the mall where no one knows where to go. Right. You, everyone, there's all these spots that kind of collide together and people are moving. And as I'm thinking about KB toys, I'm going this way. My family went another direction. And when I sort of, I guess, came to and my focus was off the toys and where in the world is my family, I couldn't find them. You know, when I was um, four years old and you're, 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 your visibility is, is greatly limited, I'm looking around for my family and fears begin to well up in me and I'm looking around and the more I look, the more scared I become, the less I can see and the, I certainly don't see them. And this goes on for, it felt like centuries, right, but probably, you know, probably seconds, but as I'm, I guess, beginning to contemplate my life on, on my own as a four-year-old... <laughs> I heard my dad. He was he was off you know, somewhere on the side of, of all this kind of confusion. He's saying, Chad, we're over here. And I'm looking around, and I can't find him, but I can at least hear the voice. And he's, Chad, we're over here. And eventually I locked eyes with him, and I ran towards him. I jumped up in his arms and, and hugged him. And I was so excited that I found them. And at the same time, I was mad because I thought they lost me. <laughs> you know, and I remember looking at my dad like, how could you do that? I was so scared. And I'll never forget what my dad said. I'll never forget it. He said... We never took our eyes off of you. You took your eyes off of us. We never took our eyes off of you. You took your eyes off of us. And I wonder for how many of us, we've, we've, we've been going through it, right? There might have been seasons of life or maybe you're in the season of life right now where you're going through it and you are convinced that God doesn't care anymore. You're convinced that God has left you. You're convinced that God isn't thinking about you. You're convinced that God doesn't love you for what you've done, what you thought but i wonder if he never took his eyes off of you but you took your eyes off of him and when you sort of came to you realized you weren't together anymore god loves you when you're focused on his glory he'll help you to understand how much he loves you You'll come to be more aware of how he feels about you, how he he thinks about you, how he has great plans for you. And while you might be waiting, he has great things that he's doing in you and he has great things that he wants to do through you. When you focus on God's glory, you become more aware of how he feels about you. And I need to be reminded of that. I can get running so fast that I can get so busy. and I can kind of get going in the wrong direction or there can be fears or distractions coming into my life. I just need to be reminded that God thinks about me. He has a plan for me. He'll conceal me. In God's glory, we become more aware of who he is. I want to know God more. I don't know about you, but I want to know God more. It's really the, it's the heart cry of my life. I, I, I long to be like David and say one thing One thing that i'm going to seek above all the others this this focus is going to dictate everything else that I do It's going to dictate how i'm a dad. It's going to dictate how i'm a leader It's going to dictate the the things I eat and the things I do and how how I live my life One thing is I want god's weight to win out in my mind I want god's weight to win out in my life so that those around me can begin to experience god as well It's the focus of my day and I It's not because i'm a pastor It's because i'm a follower of christ it's the it's the heart cry of my life, Jesus. I want to know you more. It's what I've been praying, especially of late. God, I want to. I want. Would you increase my capacity to know you, God? Would you increase my capacity to understand more of you, to speak more of you? In God's glory, we become more aware of who He is, and it displaces the fears around us. In God's glory, we become more aware of His plans. I don't know about you, but I want to. I want to be all in. Whatever it is that God is. Up to in my life and around me. I want to be all in I don't want to I don't want to thwart his plans I want to be all in for what he's doing As you're seeking god's face. I just want to give you a couple things if you're if you're taking notes A few things that can help you on a daily basis focus your eyes on him focus your, your your mind your thinking on him number one is this Seems seems commonplace, but so often this is the last thing that we we come to it's god's word There is nothing more important that I do every day than getting up and opening God's word and asking him to speak. It's the first thing I pray every day. God, I do not have what it takes to leave my family. I need to hear from you as I open your word. God, I don't have what it takes to leave what you've entrusted to me. I need to hear from you. As I open God's word and invite him in to speak, he speaks. It's the most important thing that I do each and every day is just listening, gleaning from his word, just getting on a Bible plan and just reading through it. Day by day. The second thing is this is linger in prayer. Linger in prayer. There are, there's people in the scriptures that, that this is what they would do. They would linger in prayer. I think of Joshua. When Moses would get up and, and, and leave the tent, Joshua would linger behind. He would linger in prayer because he was hungry to know more of God. I experienced something just remarkable the other night I was uh, praying with my girls as I was putting them to bed And I've noticed they've been really distracted of late And it's kind of we're getting into a rut and a routine with our, with our nightly prayers Maybe you've, you've done this before And so I asked them I was like, we're going gonna to get out of the beds And we're just going to get down here on our knees And I was like, tell them exactly how they're going to hold their hands And what they're going to do with their eyes I'm not a rules guy, but it was in this moment I was like, I just need you guys to focus Stop, stop focusing on everything else I just need you to focus on God and we prayed and whenever I was done praying I said in Jesus Christ we pray amen and then I was done and then I noticed my, my younger daughter Ella she's just still sitting there and thinking it probably went on for about 10 seconds you know me and, and, and my other daughter Ava were kind of looking at her like what's she doing and then she was done and I said Ella were you still praying she said yeah I just had a couple things I still need to talk about with God <laughs> this is my 5 year old just lingering lingering in prayer that's number two. Number three is this. Seek him in worship. Seems intuitive, doesn't it? But so often, we're going to sing here in a minute. We can get focused on a lot of what's going on. We can get focused just on singing some words. But instead of just singing words, I wonder if we could speak the words to God. This is who you are. And this is what I'm doing. I'm coming after you. Or you're, you're, just, you're focused on, on worshiping him and lifting him higher, giving him glory, despite what you might be going through. Another thing is seek him with others seek him with others. Now, when I was here, you guys knew me as the groups guide, so I would speak about groups a lot. And you thought, man, maybe he's not going to speak about groups today, but you were wrong. <laughs> you weren't made to live life alone. You need others to encourage you to, 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 to seek God's glory and you need to do it for others as well. And lastly is this speak out regularly who God is. Speak out regularly who God is. God is that's exactly what david was doing, right? He was saying you're my light You're my salvation. You're my defense. You're the lifter of my head He was speaking these things out over the fear, right? He's giving weight. He's giving glory to god I know these things are going on around me, but here's who god is. We need to speak it out In fact, here's what I want to do In this moment, I want to invite us to actually practice that very thing. So I want to invite us to stand at all the campuses Let's stand together And as we're standing, if you feel comfortable doing this, I want to invite you to do this. Sometimes I've learned in my own life, I need need my body to to kind of tell my soul which direction to go and to kind of help focus my attention. So I want to invite everyone to close your eyes. And as you do that, I just want to invite you to open up your hands. Just open them to God. And I'm going to ask you to to, to pray certain things. And as I do that, just just focus on God and, and go with where we're going here. Let's pray. Father, with our hands open, we come to speak to you. Lord, we desire to know you more. Lord, we want you to be the the Lord of our thanking, the Lord of our souls. God, that our one desire would be to focus on you. So as we're praying, I just want to invite you, speak out truths about God, things you know to be true about God. Take a moment, just, just pray them out. And I want to invite you to to thank God. What's what's something that God has done for you recently that you can just give Him thanks for? Go ahead and give Him thanks. As I was speaking, there might have been a fear that kind of came up in your mind of yeah that that's that fear is really taking up too much time in my life. It's taking up too much thought in my life, it's really just consuming me. I want to invite you to speak that out to God. What is that thing you've been afraid of? Just say, God, I've been afraid of this instead of you and I just need to speak it out. Now simply say this, God, despite that fear, I give you glory. I give you weight. I'm trusting in you. I'm believing that you are bigger than anything that I'm going to face today. Bigger than anything I'll face in life. Help me to focus on you. Would your glory surround me. Father, as we pray together in this moment, we invite you into our presence. God, we want your presence to be known here. As we lift up your name, would you come and inhabit the praises of your people. God, as we stand surrendered to you in this moment, would you help us to focus, God, on you and your goodness, and your love. You are a good Father. You are a great and mighty God, and at the same time, you come and you commune with us. God, would you come and commune in this moment? So in Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at
0: newhopenc.org. And our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We
1: hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.